guys, I hope your quarter is going well. And please don't get tired of me saying this, but we're back with another episode of Influx, a place where you can engage with Flux at your own time. We hope you guys are still enjoying our podcast. Again, make sure to comment on our posts or DM us directly at scatflux on Instagram. Reach out to us about your impressions, your ideas, and otherwise about the podcast itself. We would love to hear from you guys. So, of course, I have some quick announcements before we jump into this week's episode. But first things first, make sure to follow us on our Instagram at scadflux and join our Discord, which you can find on our website at www.scadflux.com. Again, that's scadflux.com. So today I have one quick and exciting announcement for all of you. Flux officer elections for the year 2021 to 2022 is finally here. Around last week, we posted a Google form for all of you to sign up. So be on the lookout and look for that. However, if you did miss the signups, please reach out to one of our officers if you are very interested in becoming an officer. Everyone is welcome, regardless of your major or your year. And the way that it works is that after you sign up, we will schedule an interview with you and announce the results at the end of the quarter. So if you are really, really interested, please reach out to the Flux officers um, on Discord or even on Instagram. Flux has grown so much as a club, and we would love to have you become an officer. Okay, so jumping into the episode, this week we have the one and only Clark DeLashman, an ex-advertising and graphic design professor and a recent transplant into the UX design program here at SCAD. So we sat down and talked about his journey as a creative professional and later on asked him about lab-grown whiskey, his beard, and even listening to him get really passionate about college football. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And just a heads up that our last episode for the winter quarter will be coming out the Friday of week 10. So be on the lookout for that. Thanks, Zara. Thanks for bringing the podcast to us. It's me here, Nico, with Varun. Say hi, Varun. Hey, everyone. Hey. Um, Today we have the one and only Clark, Professor DeLashmet. Hopefully I said that right. Nailed it. (laughs) You nailed it. Hello, guys. How are y'all? Pretty good. So, how is life? How how are you adapting to the online learning experience? Both you, your kids, your classes. Oh, that's a is that a hole we really want to go into? Um, I'm doing just fine. I don't mind the uh, online environment. Um, I get to wake up every day, not shower, not brush my teeth, and then immediately <laughs> start teaching people about UX. Um, actually a perfect scenario um but uh no it's good i like the online life um i do miss being in person i really like being around people so um i you know hanging out with people online is okay but at a certain point i'm ready to get back in the classroom hang out with people physically you know so i do miss that but it uh, could be worse you know definitely could be worse but uh, i don't mind it family is another whole story uh, my wife is also a teacher so she's mm. She's doing all right, though. She's an elementary school teacher. So it's really funny because, um, you know, most of the time she's teaching. She's not actually teaching. She's just telling students how to, like, get rid of pop-up blockers and stuff like that. So she's actually now uh, she's actually now like a, a tech support for a bunch of fourth graders as opposed to a teacher for a bunch of fourth graders. So that's how her life's going. Um, yeah, my daughters, they're doing all right with it, you know. But I think everybody's ready to get back in the real yeah. classroom, you know, so. How are y'all doing with the online world? Ooh, I don't think I'd ask you questions, did you? 
I only mean, knew with you some um, some surprises would be here. But honestly, <laughs> I've been... I like it a lot. I just miss the... Like, I do a lot better online because it's just my schedule. But then at the same time, I need professors there to, like, ask questions. It's weird asking them online. What about you, Nico? Yeah, I just... I miss the... Uh, like... There's not really much reason to be in Savannah right now, and I miss the fact that, like, there's a reason to be there. You'd be, like, going from class to class. I don't miss driving to every class and wasting a ton of gas, so that's pretty nice. Yeah, that's not bad. I will say that I have not... I don't drive much at all anymore. Yeah. Even when I'm downtown, like, I'll bring my bike and throw it in the back, so, like, if I need to go run an errand, like, I just ride my bike. But, uh, yeah, it is kind of weird, though. I miss being downtown i live out on the island so it's like all boring out here and you know suburby yeah but i miss being downtown so okay i've got a great question for you clark um so zara helped me write this one and we need we need to get you in this whole mindset okay Mm. so imagine you were flying to asia to go bird watching with your best bud the plane crash lands but you and your friend parachute out onto a desert island there, you literally have nothing, and you're stuck. You haven't eaten in a week, and you haven't found clean drinking water, and have been surviving on your own pee. You and your friend, or, sorry, your friend gives you consent to eat them first if they die first. Would you eat them? And if so, how would you cook them, grilled, fried, or steamed, if you had a choice, with what vegetables and what sauce? <laughs> Okay. Do I have to make my own sauce out there? Do I have to make like? Do I have to like cook up a roux from like? Uh, what do you think, Brian? I feel like since you can technically forest the vegetables, yeah, you can make the sauce. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, first off, I want to go back to the beginning of this question. You think that I've been on a desert <laughs> island and I haven't been able to survive or find anything for a week? Like, man, I think. I mean, like, you got to give me a little bit more credit than that. I come from Mississippi. Okay, we'll say it's been like two weeks. Then. We eat anything that moves <laughs> down there. So, like, you know, by this point, I would have already eaten a bunch of random little bitty rodents and, you know, we don't care. So, if I had to kill or if my partner died, yeah, because it's not like Lord of the Flies, it's not like I'm going to throw a rock at its head like Piggy no. and kill this thing, right? Okay. Man, that'd be tough. I just got off the phone with one of my best friends. Um, his name's Chewy. And, uh, so it'd probably be Chewy would be with me. So yeah, I have to eat so. Chewy. Um, ah, Chewy's put some weird stuff in his body. So I think his meat <laughs> would probably taste weird. Um, definitely pretty sauce. gamey. I would mm-hmm. definitely think he'd be pretty gamey. But uh, so how would I cook them? Yeah, that's the first question. All right. I'd probably, I mean, at that point, I mean, you know, I'd probably hack off a leg and eat a good calf, I guess, you know? probably have a good calf first you know it's like the the least personal thing i could probably eat of him um it's not attached to anything i really care about his leg is just his leg so i probably eat his leg and i probably roast it over an open fire because i don't really know of anything else it's not like i'm gonna have a pot to boil him in which sounds really creepy boiling your best friend like boiling your best friend and then and then like you know like grilling your best friend, like one is a horror story and one's a survival story. So, you know, if you boil your buddy, that's messed up. But if you grill them like that's, I think that's accepted by chefs, most chefs worldwide. Um, 
So I'd probably grill them over an open fire. And then um, if I had any seasonings, I'd try to blacken him. You know, mm. you know what blackening is? You know, you mm-hmm. just throw a bunch of spices on it. Um, because again, he probably tastes pretty bad because the things he's ingested over his lifetime. So um, he'd probably taste pretty gamey. So I'd probably have to get that out of there by blackening it. So yeah, that's, you know, simple enough answer, huh? Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. Um, would you offer the same if you died or if you were to die that he could eat you? No, uh-uh. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I tell him, I'd say, you know, what you need to do is uh, take me up to the highest mountain on this island. You need to then either um, mummify me so he can come up and hang out with me every day or um, cremate me and then give my ashes up to the gods of the island. Um, mm. That's what I would say. So, And then, I mean, at that point, it's up to him to steal from my cadaver. So if he chose to steal, that'd be all on him. But I'm not going to offer my body up. No way. Yeah. Too precious. This is a very telling scenario. I would let him have full reign over whatever <laughs> he, he wanted to eat of me. Any any part of me that he wanted to eat, he could eat. After I was very dead. Days after. Well, I don't know. Days after I might have spoiled. So, you know. Spoiled Clark is probably bad. <laughs> okay. You see me at the end of class sometimes. That's spoiled Clark. You don't want that. Another goofy question before we get back kind of to the more serious questions. Um, because we were talking about meat, what, um, hot take, <laughs> what do you think about vegans? What do I think about vegans? Yeah. They're the most horrible people in the world. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love, like, I don't mind vegans. I love, if I could do it. So I've gone, like, vegetarian a few times, like, in and out. Um, I like all food, like, you know, but I really love like, um, you know, I don't want to lump like all Asian food into a category, but like a lot of, I like a lot of different Asian cuisines, but like, you know, so, and a lot of those are great with no meat at all. Like Mm -hmm. I could just eat vegetables and sauce and rice. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's actually great. I would love to do it if I didn't have kids and it was so hard to like, it's already hard to get kids to eat stuff, but it's like, it's even harder to get it to eat. Like I'd, I'd cook some like a, like a butter chicken and stuff like that every now and then. And I'll cook butter chicken and uh, I'll trick them because I'll throw cauliflower in there. Um, and then like, uh, you know, chickpeas. And they're always like, where's the meat dad? I'm like what? It's in there. It just looks different this time. And they're like, they're too smart for that. So you know, but uh, no, I think it's actually pretty good. Anybody that can go against the grain and survive, I think is uh, <laughs> pretty all right. So, but uh, yeah, I could I could be vegan. I don't know if I could be strictly vegan because you know I don't know that I need that or if I would actually be like uh, aware enough to do that. But uh, yeah, I don't mind vegans unless they're telling me they're a vegan like twenty four hours a day. They're <laughs> telling me they're a vegan, but if you want to be vegan, do it. I like it. Just don't tell me about. Yeah, even as a vegetarian, I just can't imagine being a vegan because it's like milk. Like, I grew up drinking milk like every day, like three times a day. Um, perhaps that's why I'm so tall, but like, <laughs> it's just, but like, I just can't imagine not drinking milk. It's just such a weird concept to me. Um, well, and just, it, it, like, vegan's tough because you gotta like look at all, you, you can't just be like, a vegetarian's easier because you can just look at groups of things and say, I'm not going to eat that. Or I'm not going to eat that. But then with vegan, it's like, 
man, I got to really like look and like, is this oil made from like something that was rubbed up against a meat product at one point in time? And then if it was, does that contaminate it or can I just pick out the meat? Like, yeah, it's a little tougher, but like I said, I applaud them because it is so tough to go against the grain and survive. But yeah, I could totally be a vegetarian though. Um, if it wasn't for my, my kids, my kids ruin my life. I love them. <laughs> they ruin my life. Cause I mean, that's part of being a parent, I guess. We can pass it back to Nico for the next question. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll go back to those hot questions later on, because um, I want to hear what you got to say. But, anyways, so what have the biggest hurdles of teaching online been for you? Um, and if you can't think of any, maybe what's some of the weirdest problems that have happened ever since moving online? Ooh, I think the biggest hurdle for me is I like a lot of conversation. I mean, you'll see me in class. I'm constantly trying to get y'all to talk. I like to talk and I like to hear y'all talk and I like to hear y'all converse. That's, that's, that's the suckiest part of it. I think Mm -hmm. is not being able to have like organic conversations because, you know, with zoom, everybody's like waiting to say something and then they don't want to say anything because that they're on the spot in class. You can just kind of like riff off of each other and stuff like that. But, you know, as good as Zoom does its job of making it easier to meet online, it's really frustrating when you're trying to get a group of people to talk. So um, I think that's the suckiest part of it. Yeah. Um, I think the weirdest part is just like like being recorded constantly. <laughs> you know, like like right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like right now, like I'm watching what I say. Yeah, kind of. Um, but you know, like. Being recorded because I don't mind. I'm not going to say, I mean, I'll probably say stupid things in class, but I'm not going to say hopefully anything too offensive, but, um, but like, I don't want y'all to feel like, Oh my gosh, we're being recorded. We can't talk. So again, like hampers, it's just one more like, you know, roadblock when you are trying to get a class full of people to get comfortable and talk. So, you know, being recorded or like, you know, all the different things and like making sure Zoom links go with this and everything. Like before the quarter, we have to set up all these Zoom links and passwords and waiting rooms. And it's not bad because it's, it makes sense and it's easy to use. And I don't, you know, I like technology. Um, I'm not out of touch with this stuff, but it does get to be a bit much to handle because you're trying to keep track of all this virtual stuff, you know, and all the, mm. the data that we're creating and all that stuff. So I think that's a weird part of it is like that kind of stuff. And so, you know, you don't want to be on camera doing something stupid or leave your camera on. And then, uh, you know, we've all heard the horror stories of people like, you know, even the other day, somebody was telling me, a buddy of mine, he was like, oh my gosh, we had a meeting earlier. And one of the ladies like forgot she was on camera and started to change her clothes on camera. And we're all like, <laughs> Becky, 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 Becky. And everybody's like turning her camera off. So, you know, fortunately nobody saw anything, but like, you know, I mean, it's like, these are the things that now we have to worry about. It's like, not only do you got to worry about like, you know, normal office stuff of not making, you know, any social faux pas, but now there's this whole another world of like weird social faux pas that you could make when you're uh, in this online space. So, you know. Yeah. That um brings me to another question that Zara had, and it's like some rumor going around that I like how you're throwing all the weird questions on Zara because you're like, <laughs> you're just like throwing her under, her under the bus. Yeah, no, anything that you don't like is Zara's question. Anything you do like is my question. Yeah. Okay. Um, so and what about me, Nico? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you're like Switzerland. You're the neutral party room. 
Yeah, okay. neutral party. Um, so she said, apparently she saw this video where, um, I guess a student was talking and then they muted themselves halfway through the conversation and then the professor responded like perfectly. And she said that she thinks that professors can hear you when you're on mute. And she said, come on, tell us the truth. Oh, I definitely, like if that was a superpower that we had, I would not <laughs> tell you. Um, but no, that is like, that's a huge break of privacy right there. <laughs> Zoom, like I feel like Zoom, like if you find that's happening, tell me and then let's like play a scenario out and then let's go z- sue Zoom for millions of dollars and never right. have to work another day in our life. How about that? Yeah. Um, but no, that I've, I have not run across that. Um, I think the, I think the, to answer that question is that professor is so smart are just really good at reading lips that they were like, because a lot of times professors get asked the same question a billion yeah. times. So like before you even start asking the question, I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm going to say to this. So it might've just been one of those things. So I think or so. they might've, it might've been Microsoft teams because who knows what happens in that wild West. Yeah. Who knows the whole other <laughs> world, Bill Gates <laughs> out there trying to make the world better, but really just blowing it for everybody. I've heard a lot of, like, safety concerns with teams. Like, even their, like, privacy policy apparently just has a lot of shady stuff inside of it. No, it's Microsoft. I'm yeah. not a huge fan of Microsoft, so. But, you know, we have a lot of students that work there, so um, I'm glad that uh, they employ a lot of our students. But uh, me personally, I'm not a huge fan of the Microsoft products. But, um, you know, so who knows. But a lot of people use Teams. I mean, my wife uses Teams, and all the schools around here use Teams because it's – supposedly more secure than zoom but i don't know who knows I think, I think that was i think that was initially when like zoom didn't have end-to-end encryption but like they do now and i wouldn't trust like it's just because microsoft's like everywhere like they have like OneDrive and all that stuff and it just works with schools better i guess zoom's just zoom it's just their mm-hmm. own thing um so perhaps that's why yeah maybe so i don't know i'm sure they're all i mean i think it's potato potato at this point you know so um, let's transition to your life outside of SCAD or before SCAD, actually. Um, before SCAD, you were um, practicing as an art director or a designer with many different companies. Um, and out of those companies, what were some of your favorite to work with or for and why? Um, I worked at a lot of smaller companies. I didn't really like, I never worked at like large agencies. I was never like somebody who wanted to work at like, you know, massive places. And so I'm always going to champion those mid-level boutique agencies or smaller design shops because you can still work on big clients, national clients, stuff like that, you know, big accounts. Um, But you get, I just like working on a smaller team and stuff like that. So you probably wouldn't know any of the agencies. Um, uh, But the work was, you know, fun because we worked on a lot of national accounts. So, um, we did a lot of work for Coca-Cola, um, Warner Brothers, Harry Potter, that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of things under – a lot of spirits, you know, like uh, alcohol. Oh. <laughs> a lot of different wine brands. Not like ghost spirits. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, so a lot, a, lot of, a lot of wine brands, a lot of um, mixers, a lot of things that are more Hennessy, Diageo, that umbrella, you know, a lot of random – a lot of random products like Coca-Cola. I always tell people this, like Coca-Cola used to send weird products to us and we would have to like figure out how to, how to market those. So like when kombucha wasn't a thing yet, um, 
and it was just dirty sock water. Um, <laughs> you know, before it got flavors and it was, you know, kind of okay to drink. Um, mm. yeah, we, we would like get like cases of the stuff and, uh, we would sit there and sip on it and be like, people are actually going to drink this crap. Um, but it was like unlabeled and we would have to figure out a brand for it. And sometimes they would already have the brand. Um, and we would have to, uh, we would then figure out how to like push that brand out to a, a larger place or larger audience, you know? So, um, those are always fun to work on, you know, fun, weird products. I enjoyed very old established products. Weren't that fun. Um, but I did get to work on a lot of fun new brands, which was fun. I enjoyed that, you know? So, so yeah. What was the, um, what was the work like? Like, like, were you more of an art director or like a someone doing the work itself? Or, um, it's funny because when I was a designer, I got to do all the design. So I literally just like headphones and design stuff all day. It was great. Um, but then as you move up, um, you know, as I became an art director, um it got to the point where I wasn't doing much of the work. I mean, I could look at my calendar and it would be stacked with, uh, you know, meetings from eight o'clock in the morning till six o'clock. And, um, and so a lot of times I would, you know, people, that was also like, people love to like include people in things they don't need to be included in. So you'd get like a meeting request and it'd be like 12 people on there. You're like, why am I one of these people? I'm not going to make that big of an impact. And that was before like we would constantly zoom. So you'd call into a meeting and I would literally put it on speaker, set my phone down and put it on speaker and just mute and then just work over here on the stuff I was supposed to be doing while that meeting was happening. So I was there, but I wasn't there. Um, so a lot of that, a lot of meetings, a lot of those kind of things, coordination stuff. And then, um, but a lot of times the stuff that I would get to do, um, sometimes I would have to kind of like fix things. So if a designer sent me something and I got, you know, uh, maybe some notes from the creative director, then I would go in and I would fix those things really quickly because it was a lot easier for me to fix that and let the designers keep on chugging on whatever they were doing. Mm -hmm. um, same way with the developers. So, you know, working with developers and trying to get them to do what they're supposed to do. And then they're trying to get me what I'm supposed to do. And we're trying to get on the same page and learn that whole process. So, um, yeah, it's, it's funny. As you work up the ladder, um, you start getting more in tune with strategy as opposed to like design. So I worked a lot more on the strategy and how things work as opposed mm -hmm. to like what they looked like. Um, because to be honest, I mean, I thought I was a pretty good designer and I enjoyed my designs and I thought they looked cool. Um, but man, the people I worked with, there were so many more talented designers and, and it's tough because it is a designer. You're supposed to be like, I want to say cutting edge because I think it's kind of like a loaded term, but, um, you know, you, you got to stay young, you got to stay fresh. And it takes a, it takes a good designer to do that constantly and stay up to date with things. Um, so it was always nice to have young designers because as you know, I mean, even as I just grew it later into my twenties, I was able to go like, Hey, give it to the person that's like 22 fresh out of college. They know what's <laughs> going on. So like you give it to them, they can knock out something really cool and like on trend and then uh, you could just worry about the strategy. So as you move mm -hmm. up, you kind of get removed from the visual design, uh, but you're just editing, you're setting the tone and that kind of stuff. So it's cool, but it's also not that fun. It's like, uh, I always kind of looked like, uh, looked at um, like Steve Jobs and Wozniak, right? Steve Jobs wanted to run the company, 
he wanted to go up there and set the tone and run the meetings and all those things. Steve Wozniak was like, man, I just want to sit in the back room and build stuff. So I'm kind of under that. I'm kind of a, you know, nothing compared to Steve Wozniak, <laughs> but I'm kind of in that mind frame where I'm just like, man, I just want to hang out in the back. I'm like, you know, it'd be cool to run the show, but at the same time, like I'm cool being like one of the minions and just like put me in the back and let me do stuff and make stuff and build yeah. stuff and create stuff. So I kind of enjoyed being more the maker as opposed to the organizer. Right. Um, so outside of being a professor, I know I've heard great stories. You're an amazing dad, husband, friend. Oh yeah. I, I, colleague. I think that's actually like a, I, I think literally like that's like a, a myth or a, I'm, I'm basically <laughs> a legend around here. I set the tone for a lot of different fathers and husbands about how good I do it. So uh-huh. Everybody else knows how to do it. Yeah. Um, so what is this question? Oh, what is it like to live the life of Clark? What is it like? <laughs> Outside of being a professor, you know, all this stuff. What's I don't it like? even know, man. Before COVID, it was pretty all right, I think. Now yeah. it's just like, wake up, not take a shower, you know, maybe hit a little mouthwash, you know, about three o'clock in the afternoon and put a little deodorant on about six o'clock <laughs> in the evening and do the same thing over the next day. No, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I have a pretty boring life. Um, outside of class, you know, I mean, being a dad takes up a lot of your time because I have yeah. young children. So like, as they get older, you kind of like let them go on their own. But, um, so that takes up a lot of time. Being a husband and a father takes up a lot of time. Just spending time with the family. You're, you're constantly running around trying to get kids to basketball practice. Like it's Friday night tonight. So when y'all are out like doing whatever you do with your friends, I'll be taking my daughter to basketball practice so I can wake up in the morning and go to a basketball game while y'all sleep. <laughs> All right. Um, so it's a lot of that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. But uh, when I'm not doing that, you know, I like to uh, I like to make things and do stuff. So um, I like to you know kayak or fish, go out on the boat, that kind of stuff. Also, um, love playing guitar. I build guitar pedals and like to like tinker with electronics like that. And also have like a big wood shop and I like to build stuff out of wood. So I just built like my kids a huge tree house. You know, just anything that I can use to make stuff. Um, I've been working in the shop since I was a kid with my dad. So mm-hmm. like. You know, I still have all my fingers and toes, so that's good. But um, but I'm constantly like just I like to make stuff. I like to build stuff, I like to create things. So um anything I can do. And sometimes it'll be more woodworking, sometimes it'll be more electronic, sometimes it'll be more just goofing off and something new, you know. Um, but at the end of the day I like to either make stuff or do stuff. So a lot of outdoors type stuff, hiking, mm-hmm. camping, stuff like that. Like I was on a camping trip this past weekend, you know. So um, that kind of stuff, just getting out of the house, especially yeah. now in COVID. Anything you can do to get out of the house and away from people, you know. So, yeah. But other than that, being Clark is not that cool. <laughs> not it's not cool enough to like refer to myself in the third person. I can tell you that. Like, right? Um, can you talk us through why you decided to become a professor? Um, was this an opportunity that presented itself, or was it something you knew you wanted to do and kind of work towards it? Uh, it's something I always knew I wanted to do. It's kind of funny because I used to want to be a, uh, I'll credit your home state for this, Nico. <laughs> I used to be, I wanted to be like a designer, like an old school designer, right? Like wear nice clothes and like go into a really cool design e-office, you know? And uh, for some reason, I always wanted to go to Chicago. I thought Chicago would be cool. And 
And uh, I wanted to like be that, right? And then I remember one night I was sitting in a bar um, in Dale, Colorado, and I lived in Vail. And I had an epiphany. I was like, why do I want to do that? Life is too much fun to sit in the office the whole time. So I was like, what could I do that would give me a good balance? And I mean, I have a family of educators. My wife, my mom is a teacher. My grandfather was a teacher, and, um, brother-in-law and all my aunts were teachers and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? I might give that teaching thing, a, a, you know, and this is while I was still studying to be a graphic designer at um, mm-hmm. City State. I was like, yeah, I might give that teaching thing a try. But I never wanted to be one of those teachers that talks about the real world without having been in the real world. Mm-hmm. I hated that when I was in college. Like, in the real world, I'm like, where are you in the real world, you punk? <laughs> and so I'm, I wanted to be – and, you know, those people are still great. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from them. But uh, I just wanted to – I would have more confidence if I worked in the real world. And so uh, so that was the plan. So I worked for a while, and then, um, you know, I – I uh, finished undergrad, worked for a while in Memphis, a um, couple years, and then um, decided that I wanted to go to grad school. And then I actually came to SCAD for grad school because um, I had a buddy that went here, transferred here when I was an undergrad. So it was one of the only art schools that I knew, and it was on the go- it was on the coast. And so I grew mm-hmm. up on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi. I was like, "Oh, you kidding me right now? It's a design school next to the water? I'm like, yeah, I'm in." And so uh, this place is very similar to where I grew up. So I grew up on the water with a boat my whole life, you know, a little bit of skiff running around, you know, trying not to kill myself in a boat. Um, and so, like, it was good to come over here and do it. So I always knew I wanted to teach. Uh, but then it wasn't until I started working that I really wanted to teach because at the end of the day, I never really felt like super invested in my work. You know, um, I was like, I just kept on, I just kept on looking at like, why am I doing this? Like, what does it matter if I tell some, tell the world about this product, right? Cause mm-hmm. I was in graphic design, not really, um, building products at that point. It was just mainly just like communicating something. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so it wasn't until I got into like interactive where it was like more like, Oh, we actually create things that people use. And so we started to infuse UX and like started to see that whole thing. I was like, Oh, that's actually way more cool. And so, uh, so that's when I was like, you know, I really want to teach because I felt like I felt like working in the real world was not really fulfilling. But if I get to see y'all succeed, I mean, I know this is kind of cheesy, but like mm-hmm. if I get to see y'all succeed, that makes me like super excited and stoked because I don't know, I just get like way better feeling and like you yeah. know, it's like I don't know, I feel like uh, I feel like it's just better for the world if I'm like teaching as opposed to working. So you know, it wasn't that I couldn't do it. You know, I was successful. I worked at cool places. I liked what I did. Um, it's just I'm way more fulfilled uh, being mm-hmm. a teacher. Um, and the cool part about being a teacher is I get to uh, constantly learn new things, you know, so like new software coming out, new technology. So I get to do the research. I get to play around with new things. I get to teach people how to use new things. So it's like the best of both worlds. I still get to be in college and learn stuff, but I also get to teach things and see all do cool stuff. So for me, it's good. And I got like a small attention span. So like every 10 weeks, the whole thing changes. So that's good too. So yeah, so it's, uh, so it's that kind of stuff. And then I actually got into teaching because a buddy of mine um, that I used to work with um, at BFG, which is a shop in Hilton Head, we had an interactive shop here. It's right across from where like One West Victory is, that yoga studio on the corner right there. That was our building. And, uh, and so um, he, 
he basically got an offer to work at SCAD and uh, he didn't, he didn't want to, he, for part time, he didn't want to. And I was like, dude, I want to do it. So he's like, man, they're just looking for somebody to talk about interactive stuff in the advertising program. I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. So uh, because he introduced me to everybody, um, I was able to get that job in advertising and start, you know, uh, kind of, you know, the, the interactive wave in the advertising department. But uh, uh, that dude's awesome. You ought to check him out. Bob Claggett. Um, if you go on, he, all he does now, he like quit being a developer and he basically has his own company called, I like to make stuff. And it was, it all came from him. Just, he's a YouTuber. He started off like with nothing and basically built this empire of, you know, cool stuff. He builds like all kind of cool stuff, whether it's like a tree house or like redoing a bathroom all the way down to like 3d printing a whole like C3PO and like actually like making it function and programming it, you know? So so um, you should check him out, Bob Claggett. I like to make I, stuff. He's the I reason think, I have a job at SCAD. He's awesome. I watch his YouTube channel actually. <laughs> he's yeah. He's like he's he's massive on YouTube. Like I think he has over a million subscribers. Like he's massive. Like oh wow. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, yeah. he's huge. When it comes to like like the, one of the biggest you know creators or like building things kind of podcast or um, YouTube accounts and and he has a couple podcasts and stuff like that. Like, yeah, he he was. Uh, he used to be the head developer at a shop I worked at and we were having lunch one day and he was telling me about this gig at SCAD. And so that's how it happened. But yeah, shortly after that, I started working at SCAD and he quit and, uh, he was a developer, a couple other companies, but the whole time he was trying to get, I like to make stuff off the ground. And now I like to make, I like to make stuff. is like huge. It's a huge brand. I mean, he employs a couple people now and, and, Mm. uh, yeah, Bob's awesome. Y'all should, uh, check him out on YouTube and subscribe. Shameless plug for Bob right there. Check him out. What were you doing in Vail in the beginning of that whole story? Why were you in Vail? And because one day at the beginning of the end of my junior year, yeah, the, yeah, end of my junior year, I think. Yeah. Um, me and my roommate were sitting around, and uh, it was the beginning of summer. And he's like, "What do you want to do this summer?" And I was like, "I don't know, man. I got this gig at like this landscape architecture place where I'm just." Um, planting bushes and you know shoveling dirt all summer and he was working at a farm and uh he's like you want to go out west i was like yeah <laughs> so we went home that weekend told our parents we were moving out west and uh we came back the next day packed up all our crap put it in a um, storage locker and uh loaded up the car and took off we both had about 500 bucks between us and we were just going as far as the money would take us and we Vale was the first place we came to. We were going to check Vale out and see if yeah. we liked it. And then if we didn't like it um, or couldn't find jobs, we were going to keep on going to like maybe somewhere in Montana, like Big Sky or something like that. And uh, Vale ended up working out. So we just stayed in Vale and just lived out there for a while. And, uh, you know, we didn't run out of money. We didn't fail. We just hung out. We were banquet waiters in Vale. And so we worked at a big, uh, resort out there as waiters and we had to wear like like uh tuxedos every day so every day like down the (laughs) interstate i'm on my mountain bike wearing a tuxedo riding to work at four (laughs) o'clock in the morning um yeah it was was cool we lived in bell for a while and uh it was it was was awesome place to to live it was really cool it was all during the warm months like we were mountain biking and hiking and fishing and rafting and everything so it was awesome i loved it out there that's where i broke my arm when i was like 12 nice i almost broke my face there too if i didn't have this beard you could see like my chin has this huge scar was it on your bike yeah i went over the the handlebars and like 
my face broke my fall. So, were you wearing a helmet at least? Yeah, I was wearing a helmet, okay. but it was like one of these <laughs> stupid helmets that only cover your noggin. It didn't, well, yeah, like a BMX helmet that went like all over your face. So, yeah, yeah, I was actually slowing down to look at a buddy. He had wrecked the same way. It was like we're leaning <laughs> down the mountain, uh, doing some downhill trails, and he went off the side of the trail, and uh, I. I I was like, whoa, Kevin's down. So I like started like slowing down and I did the exact same thing he did, hit the loose um, rocks, like bigger rocks. Yeah, yeah. I drove off into this creek, like literally a foot from him. He broke the front fork of his bike, didn't have a scratch on him. And I, my wow. bike didn't have a scratch, but my face was jacked up. <laughs> and so uh, the World Cup downhill was in town. And so like all these amazing, you know, mountain bike uh yeah. riders were in town and uh so there's photographers everywhere so somewhere there's a photographer that stopped us and was like hey can i take a picture of y'all because i'm walking with my bike he's walking with his bike on his shoulder that's completely in shambles i have blood all over me so somewhere there's like this epic <laughs> photo of two guys walking down the mountain with a shattered face and a shattered bike but you know i've never seen the picture so i don't know but that's amazing yeah yeah it's good times um, so you graduated from Mississippi in graphic design and, um, Mississippi State. Mississippi State. State. Yes. University of Mississippi and Mississippi State are two vastly different universities. You went to the better one. Yes, correct. <laughs> that is correct. They're huge rivals. And so, yeah. yes, we, I went to the better one. Yeah, so graduated from graphic design. In gra- so the question is, what was it like to go to school in the dark ages? <laughs> <laughs> good you know lots of candles so like the ambiance was nice yeah right but they were like whale oil candles so you know um lots of soot everywhere um so you just constantly were like you know <laughs> trying to uh, coat the bottom of your feet in the soot so that you yeah. can walk outside and you know your feet would be tough um i don't even know like what do you mean because i'm so old <laughs> or because mississippi is uh in the dark ages i mean how do i make uh, this question here huh both basically what was it like before internet you know or maybe oh okay the internet um it wasn't bad i mean it wasn't bad i mean we had internet when i was in college we had email we had Mm. internet you know um yeah so i mean like you know i did go to high school without the internet um but you know i went to college with the internet so yeah we had the internet i mean we had like Napsters. So we're like stealing, you know, right. we would go up to my buddy's building because he had the T1, you know, speed. I don't know if y'all know anything about that, but you'd look on Napster and you'd see all the speeds. It'd be like 56K or 100, you know, 56K or whatever, um, or 256 or whatever it was. And, uh, but like, if you saw like that, uh, what did I say? One T? Was it? T1. T1, yeah. Yeah. Which is, I guess, a terabyte, <clears throat> I guess. Uh, I don't even know what it meant back then, but, um, yeah, man, you just sit there and go and you'd like grab all these, you know. So, yeah, I wasn't the dark ages, but we weren't <laughs> attached to the internet like we're attached to it now. Yeah. Um, which was nice, actually, because, you know, if, like I said, if I had my, uh, if I had a phone in my pocket and recorded all the things that we did, I probably wouldn't be able to hang out with a bunch of college students. So, <laughs> I didn't do anything that bad, but, you know, everything is misconstrued nowadays. So, yeah, it wasn't too bad, actually. Like, we had just enough of the internet. To uh, you know, feel connected. Yeah. You know, I needed to beat some uh, like I remember uh, if I needed to walk, find some you know like walkthroughs of like Zelda and stuff like that. I could go on and like find walkthroughs and like go back and beat the Ocarina of Time and stuff like that. You know, so I had what I needed. (laughs) 
Uh, what I needed. Wasn't too bad. I've also always been fascinated with like how typography was taught like 20, 30 years ago compared to now. We learn it like all digitally. Mm-hmm. But I've had so many professors explain to me that like they had to do it on pen and paper, like on paper. They had to draw type forms and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. So was that similar to your experience, or was it more a mix of digital and? No, it's uh, yeah. I had to. It was digital, but I mean, it was mainly like topography at that point. I mean, yeah, we had computers and we didn't walk around with laptops and everything, but we had computer labs. We would go to class and like art school looking classes. And so yeah, we would sketch things, we would draw stuff, we would have to ink up. Um, letters and stuff like that so um i liked it because the whole reason i got into graphic design because it was a good merging of um it was art and you could still use your hands and put things together and scan stuff and create things by hand um but you also got to like kind of work on the computer as well so for me it was a, it was a great merging of both things mm-hmm. and i liked i liked it because it was hands-on i loved the I love printmaking. I almost minored in printmaking because you actually, it was like a perfect marriage because I got to carve wood and do block prints and then print things. So like to me, that was literally the perfect marriage because I was doing things with my hand, but I was also creating artifacts. So um, computer time kind of takes that hand of the artist away a lot of times. And I feel like, you know, that's why you're always going to hear me talk about personality um, because I feel like the computer kind of, allows us to lose personality. You know, you start designing something, you're, you know, like back in the day, you would first off go and you would pull up a PMS book and you'd start looking at colors and then you would look at, you know, uh, swatch books for paper and you'd actually fill the paper, look at the texture of the paper and the thickness of the paper and what it felt like tactile. And then you would go start designing it knowing it was going to be applied to that paper. Now everybody starts off with a nice white sheet of paper that they see and that's, you know, so that's why you got like, Google is like start with white and then build from that, which is a great strategy for the screen. Um, but I do feel like it strips away. It becomes a little bit more function as opposed to form. And we mm-hmm. strip away a lot of the personality. Um, so I really enjoyed, you know, going back and doing stuff by hand, like learning topography or whatever it may be. Um, and I do think both have their strengths. Um, it's a lot easier to be a designer nowadays than it used to be because you don't have to do all that stuff by hand. Like, I listen to a lot of my predecessors and they're like sitting there talking about all these machines that I had no clue, like a photostat machine where they're like shooting it up against a wall and they would have to sit there and hand letter stuff and hand write copy and like hand set things. And like that to me is a, as a design nerd, sounds awesome. I would love to do that. But at the same time, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what took you a day? I can now do it literally three minutes. So yeah. it's a lot more efficient, but it's not as fun because you're just sitting in front of a computer all day. I like to do stuff with my hands. So yeah. Um I guess since we're on the topic of graphic design, advertising and stuff like that, what what was the reasoning for you to convert to UX as SCAD? <laughs> Um, it kind of happened uh, over the years. I mean, I don't, working in interactive, I was a, I was always teaching you know UX principles because the things we were creating in advertising were actually things people had to use. Yeah. So it wasn't like, hey, let's just make a snappy headline and a cool image. It was stuff that people actually have to use. So you're thinking about how someone interacts with something. You have to understand users' mindsets and and how they um, actually you know converse with the community or engage with the brand. So um, so there's a lot of UX uh, principles, but in advertising. And sometimes I felt like I still love 
interactive advertising because you get to, I mean, you can literally walk in an office and say, Hey, I think we should do like a zombie apocalypse and have King Kong coming down a building. And then as King Kong comes down, we're like live tweeting this whole thing. And then like, <laughs> we're also putting that on Snapchat and people are like telling King Kong what to do, like in a live place. Like that's like a normal like idea and people are like, yeah, let's do it. So like advertising is great in that you can just literally come up with the craziest stuff. And uh, if it, you know, if it aligns with a lot of factors, you can pull it off. So like, I love advertising for that. Um, but actually, like, I felt a little, I felt a little kind of hemmed in because you always had to do it based on a brand. With UX, it's more about building for the user. And so it's, it's kind of nice because now you don't have to satisfy the brand first. You can look at the user and then make sure that you're balancing that with the brand. So, mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're all going to be working for brands when we graduate, Right. Um, so we're always going to have to look at the brand. We're always going to have to look at that. It's not just, I mean, unless you're working in the startup world where it's just product for product's sake. Um, even then you're going to have to look at, all right, how do we market this? What's the brand? What is the brand getting out of this? But you're just a little bit more freer to create and solve relevant problems as opposed to just communicate a message to somebody. So uh, I guess that's what I like mindset wise about UX. And that's why mm-hmm. I kind of started moving in that direction and then, um, and then how I got to the department was, you know, I, I was in advertising for a while. I loved advertising, but had an opportunity to work with SCAD Pro because um, I, I love SCAD Pro and I did so many different, um, um, I mean, I've done a couple dozen of those things um, on various levels. So I, I really enjoyed that. It's given me a lot of, you know, momentum in my career at SCAD and I've been able to do a lot of cool things and go and see and meet a lot of cool people because of SCAD Pro um, over the years. And so um, because I've done so much with them, um, we kind of talked about me going over there and looking at, you know, seeing how I could make that world a little bit better for professors. And uh, and so I did that for a year and uh, it kind of, I felt removed from the classroom. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I, I knew that, you know, if I was going to do anything, that was the time to make a change. So I felt kind of removed from the classroom. I enjoyed working over there, but I really wanted to get back in the classroom full time. And when I did that, I figured I felt like that was a good transition point for me to try something, uh, you know, not necessarily new, but uh, a different department. And so that's when I started talking to BC and BC was like, sure, I guess we'll let you come over here and work, you know? So (laughs) I gave him a lot of money as a bribe and then he eventually uh, let me uh, come over here and work. So that's, uh, that's how I physically got to UX. So yeah. Right. Lots of bribe money. I guess this is a question that's kind of more specific to me. Uh, I'm just interested. As someone who loves using code as a design tool, how do you strike the balance of being a designer and someone more technical? Like, I always find myself being stuck between being a designer and then a developer. And I'm, because I'm fascinated by both, but it feels so weird to use code as a tool at the same time. But it's, it's, it's no different than a paintbrush in my mind. You know, it's, it's a medium that you create with. It's just mm-hmm. creating with a different type, side of your brain. I mean, it's, it's some people translate, you know, things to a paper or a canvas with, with their hands and a paintbrush. Whereas if you're, you know, if you like to code stuff, it's like, man, are you kidding me right now? I can write some code. I can literally write some letters. And that is going to make physical things show up on a screen or visual things show up on a screen. Like that yeah. still to me is mesmerizing, mm-hmm. you know, that like, uh, it just, it's still, I'm like a kid. It still baffles me that like 
all these computers we mess with are literally built off of like ones and zeros and a bunch of letters and numbers coming together to make stuff happen. So to me, it's no different than a paintbrush. It's just how you think. Some people can think with a paintbrush. Some people I never could think with a paintbrush. I sucked at painting. Um, but I can think with wood. I can look at wood and I can say, okay, I can, you know, quickly disassemble something in my head and then say, okay, I could build that using this materials and blah, 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 blah. Some people think with code. They can look at it. And I'm, I'm not the greatest coder at all. I mean, I'm literally a novice when it comes to looking at the whole world of code, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I love building stuff. I love making things. And so it's really cool to be able to make something in a new format on screen. And so some of the best designers that I knew could also build things or know just enough to build things because if you have that skill set then you can actually create a lot better designs because somebody who doesn't know how to code um it's not gonna it's not gonna necessarily hurt them but they're not gonna be able to push the boundaries of design and interaction like someone who knows just a little bit of code and understands the inner workings of something right because mm-hmm. you don't know the capabilities of it so i think it's a great thing to know not because y'all are all going to turn out to be computer scientists or engineers or anything like that. You might, I don't know. Um, it might spark, you know, your inspiration to be that, but, um, I don't teach people to be computer scientists or engineers or anything like that. I teach them just to know enough so that they can push the boundaries of what they can do with their designs and their interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the perfect marriage is if, if you're a designer understanding enough to be able to push the boundaries of what's possible. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a I think it's a great thing, and I love the. To me, I always loved math, and so for some reason, uh, but I also loved you know design too, and I loved art. Um, so I think those type of people really like to code, and I think coding kind of like works for those type of people who love the analytical side as well as the creative side. So again, I, I think it's no different than you know having a a really cool paintbrush or pen in your hand, you know, it's just mm-hmm. another vehicle for you to express yourself. So, yeah. Piggyback kind of piggyback off of that question. Um, do you feel like being multidisciplinary in UX is a skill that's valued? Like I feel nowadays UX is just a rebranding of what design was meant to be as a whole. It's just like UX, it's designing for the user, but at the same time, isn't that what design's always been about? Um, so since it's kind of blur. The difference between what UX is and other design disciplines have blurred. Um, do you think it's a little bit, is it a useful thing to be like multidisciplinary in a sense? Oh, for sure. I think it is because, I mean, it just looks at your output, you know? I mean, it all depends on your input and your output. You know, what are what are you getting in the beginning? Who are you working for? What lens do you need to look at it through? And then what the output is, right? Um that's again why I liked working at smaller shops. You know, if the output was, hey, we need to make a short video, um, somebody's going to walk in and be like, hey, you know how to make a short video? And I'm like, no, but I can figure it out because it's a new thing that I get to play with. Like, or 3D. Like, I remember, I mean, I'm not that great at 3D now, but like, I used to be pretty good at Blender um, because it was free and it was open source, you know? And so I got into that for a while because we had to start doing product renderings. And I was like, uh, let's find a you know, somebody else was using it. So I was like, I don't know, show me how to use it. Let's do this. Um, and so again, it, it multidisciplinary is great because you can expand what you get to work on. If you can only do one thing, people are going to only come to you for that one thing. So right. if you can continue to open up what your output can be, then that only helps to serve you. So, um, 
But again, it goes back to where you work. Some places you work in such a large organization where they have specific, like let's say Google, for instance. If you go to Google, you're going to be a, you know, a product designer or an engineer or a writer, all within the realm of UX. If you go to a small shop, that small shop might be like, hey, you are our UX department. So you're a writer. You're the product designer. You might be a little bit of the engineer. You might be a little of the UI designer as well. Whereas, so so I guess it just depends on where you want to work. Um, but I, I like being multidisciplinary just because it allows you to be creative and the output that you have. So I, I think it's a very big talent. You know, you hear a lot of people for the longest time would say like T-shaped individual you're really good at one thing, you know, but you have like this big breath. So it's, it's kind of cliche at this point um, because we've been using that term for so long, but, um, but I still think it's very relevant. You know, I think, uh, you know, you don't have to specifically be the T, but um, you know, I, I think, do think it's good to have a lot of skills uh, so that you can work on a lot of different things because it opens a lot more doors for you. Um, kind of on the topic of multidisciplinary, going back to, your love of building things. What is the coolest thing you've ever built or the thing you've been most proud of or maybe just something that you built recently and you're like, dang, that was really cool? Um, I'm trying to think of the thing I built most recently. I built my kids a tree house, which is pretty rad. I like it. Um, I think the things that I really enjoy, I love, I love water, so mm-hmm. boats. I uh, built a couple wooden kayaks. Um, like started off and this is also a little insight into the weird mind of myself I'm like I want to learn to kayak so instead of like buying a kayak and seeing (laughs) if I liked it I was like I'm gonna build a kayak so I built a couple of those and uh wooden kayaks uh uh built out of little bit strips that you didn't you know put fiberglass around. So it was cool yeah. because again, I get to build something and I get to learn new materials and things like that. So I did that for a number of years and that was really fun. Um, I liked it. And that even culminated in a class. We taught a class, um, I don't know how many years ago, myself and a guy named Ben Bush, who used to be an ID professor. We taught a class um, on building boats. And so in that class, students, it was one summer and we built a kayak together as a class. And then uh, we had like maybe three or four kayaks that were built. And one kid built a speedboat. Ian McKibben is a freaking legend. Um, I know him. <laughs> built, you know, Ian, Ian's awesome. He's like, he's great, but he came from a hot rod family in California. And so he came in one day and he's like, I'm going to build a speedboat. And I was like, Oh, pump the brakes, man. <laughs> is that something you can do? And he legit built a speedboat in a 10 week quarter um, from nothing. Like the only thing he didn't make was that he bought a boat and pulled the motor out of it. So he, I think it was a Chevy 454 that had been converted into a jet yeah. uh, boat. And so uh, he dropped that in there, but he built the whole boat from scratch, wooden boat from scratch. And that thing was one of the most fun boats I've ever had the pleasure of riding on. So, uh, so I say that's one of the things I'm most proud of, being able to learn a new skill and just uh, merge it with something I love, um, which is the water, and then teach people how to do it you know, and then see yeah. how people make it too. So I think that was pretty cool, but I don't know. I built, I mean, we just redid our whole house and I did most of this work in here. So I got to learn like more about electricity and I haven't burnt my house down. So that's nice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I built a couple of guitar pedals and those are fun because I get to learn more about electronic components and how they work and like how to manipulate sound and stuff like that with them. So 
you know, I don't know, build a lot of random things here and there, whatever just sparks my interest. That's crazy that he did that in 10 weeks and the hovercraft was going for three quarters and it's still not done. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they <laughs> ran into a little bit more issues, um, but uh, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it was pretty impressive. He built it, had the brunt of it done in 10 weeks. And then it took him about four or five weeks after the quarter to actually like put the finishing touches on it. Oh, okay. so painting it, you yeah. know, making sure everything was wired correctly but he had the boat built physically done uh, in 10 weeks. It was, it was impressive. I mean, he had, he was working in, um, you know where the CNC is right now Yeah. in uh, Gulf. Um, he was working in that room to start off with. And then when he started uh, sanding and bonding, he had to go outside. Um, so he literally like out that back door from like, uh, um, you know, that big sliding back door that kind of opens up the yeah. side parking lot. Uh, he had a couple tents set up there and uh, he would just work outside in all hours of the night. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. Wow. It was amazing. It was awesome. Yeah. That's where the hovercraft is stalled right now. Those finishing touches. Yeah. To paint it. yeah. yeah. What is up with the hovercraft actually? Like how, how complete is it? When I left it, it was right before we all uh, went online and yeah. we were set for paint. We spent a couple late days finishing bondo work and stuff and i think we got it there um oh and then we did a test drive of it but then we were like okay covid blah 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 and then i think woods is still trying to get a company to paint it for us because we can't do it apparently yeah um, so you test drove it though like it worked it yeah it, we like we were figuring out the skirt and it was a little bit too big so we just like raised it and then lowered it. <laughs> but it would go forward. Do you think that uh, y'all would have finished by, um, what was it, uh, SCAD side, Sidewalk Fest? Oh, definitely. Yeah, so that, so. Was, that was the goal. And so it would have been done. I mean, that would have been cool. Yeah, it would have been done. I The whole painting thing was weird because, like, we probably could have done it ourselves maybe, but they wanted some marine company to do the, like, epoxy coat, you know. So. Yeah, that makes sense because it's a lot harder and everything. But, yeah, you yeah. could have... Um, you could have rolled it and then tipped it and that would have gotten you a really good finish actually. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if you, some more professional actually, like yeah. there's a huge difference cause they could have fared it and made it super nice and smooth and yeah. without imperfections. You know, so hopefully sometime it'll, I don't know what the deal is with that. I haven't talked to Woods about it. Yeah. I remember that semester, like, like that quarter really well because you were working on the hovercraft and then I was in Heiser's bath working on the pop-up lounge. Like we were yeah. both working on a big project for sidewalk art slash sand arts. Um, and both and of paused. them are just, yeah. And then both of them are just in the shop and they're like, they're not done. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, Varun, do you have any more questions before we go back to the hot takes? No, I think, I think it's I think time for the that. hot takes. Okay. I'll start with the first one. All right. How long are you growing the beard? Ooh, probably another couple months until it gets warm and the first gnat goes inside of it. <laughs> Once the gnat goes inside and makes me mad, then I will shave it off. So like it'll that. get big and gross, and then I'll shave it. Oh, this Question. one's from this one specifically says from Zara. Oh, okay. So I'm not making this up. All right, okay. She says, Clark, do you think you're a cool professor or just an okay one? Please explain your answer and elaborate. Uh, I'm probably the worst professor. <laughs> I feel like in my heart, I'm like, man, 
these these students could get way better uh, education from somebody else. And no, I'm not cool. I'm a father, so I tell like <laughs> dad jokes, even though they might be dark and skewed towards uh, like college students. No, I'm like a massive nerd. I'm just like hanging out with y'all because y'all are the cool ones, and I'm like, hey, y'all, it's gonna be cool. So, <laughs> no, man, I suck. I mean, in the immortal words of Luke Sullivan, the great professor in advertising and one of the advertising giants, I suck. That's what he likes to tell people. He's like, no, man, I suck. Yeah. So I'm fully into that philosophy that I suck. And uh, I'm just uh, glad that nobody else has figured that out yet so that I can still continue to teach. She's going to like that answer. Yeah. (laughs) I have no idea, but... Apparently, college football questions are something we're supposed to ask you. I think, was this Zara? <laughs> Who was this? Uh, I wrote this, but I don't okay. know anything about it. Okay. <laughs> Auburn or Alabama? Alabama? Like, preferred? I don't know. I, I have no oh, they're both. They're both horrible. <laughs> football, so you have the Southeastern Conference, which is one conference, right? You got a bunch of conferences, which are groups of football yeah, teams. Yeah. Southeastern Conference is what Mississippi State is, Old Miss, which is University of Mississippi, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, all these people. I hate everybody. <laughs> I don't really like Mississippi. You're not – so, like, I'm not, like – when it comes to sports, there's no, like, Switzerland. It's not fun to be, like, oh, I like everybody and I just want everybody to succeed. No, the point of sports is to be competitive. So, I don't like any other teams in the SEC. I I would love it if Mississippi State beat everybody. Yeah. But we typically suck. And so we don't beat everybody. So, you know, I'm destined to be a loser my whole life. I don't think we need to ask the other rivalries then. Yeah. <laughs> for... <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's no there's no point. The answer um, is Mississippi State. That's, what what are the other different. rivalries? Just uh, Michigan um, or Ohio? Yeah. Oh, so the Big Ten? I hate the whole Big Ten. I hate them. <laughs> Not good. They're not the SEC. They 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 always <laughs> complain about the SEC. So not a big fan of either one of those either. What else? Yeah. Clemson, South Carolina. See, Clemson to me, I don't really mind because okay, they haven't really done anything to me. Um, South Carolina is kind of like we we are um, with yeah. uh, football. So they suck. So you can't really hate them too bad because like <laughs> they kind of suck like us. But uh, I am ready for other people to win the national championship. I get sick of watching Alabama and Clemson win every year, so I'm sick of seeing the same four teams in the college football playoffs. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite all-time movies or shows? Oh, my gosh. I feel like I talk to people like that. I, I think I've, my classes are probably sick of me saying things like this in class, but you got to go back and watch like Goonies. Goonies is literally the <laughs> – the thing that gives me my spirit of adventure. It's like the best. So I think Goonies and like all those movies when I was a kid, you know, like Goonies yeah. and War Games and the Explorers and um, all those like eighties movies were, I don't know, like not like the Rat Pack, Brat Pack, like eighties movies. Those are good, but like, I like the Goonies and um, all those kind of movies. So I like those, but shows, I don't know. I'm in and out of shows. I mean, there's some, I mean, like, Mr. Robot is probably one of my all-time favorite shows. Great show. I mean, like, there's a lot of shows, like, earlier in my life. Like, I love Seinfeld and stuff like that. But as, like, a current show, I mean, current enough, I guess. But Mr. Robot was just mind-blowing. I love that. It was, I mean, it's one of the most well-done things I've ever seen. But I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't get to watch uh, when I traveled a lot for SCAD. That was really the only time I ever got to watch movies mm-hmm. um, because, you know, with kids, I'm like watching like Moana like 8,000 times, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's not too exciting the movie life. But uh, uh, I don't know. I think uh, a lot of those old school movies when I was a kid. And then uh, I don't know. I stream, you know, a lot of stuff on, you know, the normal streaming channel. So in and out of different uh, shows here and there, but I don't know. Mr. Robot sticks out. I really enjoyed that one, but uh, there's tons. They come and they go. Did you like Star Wars when you were growing up? Yeah, I did. I wasn't like a huge Star Wars like fanatic or anything, but I liked Star Wars for much of the same that I liked uh, the Goonies. Like I go back and like, I mean, yeah. I can't quote Star Wars. I'm not going to be one of the people that are like, know every single you know planet i barely know everybody's name but i love the first three star wars yeah. um, and i really enjoyed i didn't really enjoy like the next three like you know all those kind of sucked to be honest with you in my mind but the ones now that they've come out with i know everybody gets all uptight about like oh my gosh is it you know the the right you know character winning the battles and is it realistic and are they putting social justice and all these stupid topics that like i could care less about i'm like it looked awesome. I liked it. Yeah, and it's been cool because uh, I've been able to like get my kid to like them. So, um, yeah. so, you know, every time they come out on like Christmas, like we'll go to the theaters and watch them. And she likes them. I, I like them, you know. So I just think they're beautiful. The the later ones yeah. are really well done. But to be honest, I couldn't tell you what planet something's happening on. Um, if I read one of the books, I'd be like, I don't know what's happening. That's why I can never get into like Lord of the Rings because I'm like, there's just too many names. Oh, I love Lord of the Rings. I mean, I liked it. I watched it. It was cool. Yeah. It was epic. But I can't remember anything, you know? No, it's, yeah, it's a lot. Same thing with uh, Game of Thrones. You know, like, I never got into it because I was like, I can't remember. I don't know if these people hate these people. I don't know their names. I don't know who these people – it was just – I'm a simple person. I can't remember <laughs> much. I'm not that smart. You'll quickly find, you know? So, uh, so yeah. So, I like epic stories, but uh, yeah. sometimes I can't remember all the things that have to do with the epic story so it sometimes makes it tough but i like star wars but um i'm not like a huge yeah star wars like trivia mogul or anything so yeah um what is your favorite drink and then we have some other questions from zara after you answer this and it can be any type of drink okay um i'm a big fan of water i like water <laughs> i don't drink a lot of stuff else you know um, I've only recently started drinking coffee because I never wanted to have to rely on something to be awake. Uh-huh. Now I kind of have to rely on coffee. Um, but it's not one of my favorite drinks. I just drink it because I need it. Um, but I like water. Water's good. And then, um, I don't know if we're talking about like other kind of drinks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm a big fan of whiskey and scotch. So, you know, I like bourbon. But. That's perfect because Zara says thoughts on lab grown whiskey, which I didn't even know was a thing lab grown whiskey yeah apparently this is exactly why i'm a college professor because <laughs> i learn things from y'all every day because y'all know stuff that i don't what is lab grown whiskey i'm gonna google it right now yeah no this is a zara question okay here's a question for me thoughts on ipa not a huge ipa fan not a, not a huge ipa fan yeah i like stouts i like dark beer i like heavy stuff um i also like like you know light beer but ipas they just i don't know i think that's one of those things where you gotta like 
I don't know. I think it's like scotch. Scotch, like people look at it and they're like, scotch is good or scotch is horrible. I think IPAs are kind of the same way. Yeah. People like IPAs or they don't like them. I just, I don't know. Been careful. What about sours? Not a huge fan of sours either. I don't even like sour candy. (laughs) My kids are like, oh, sour candy. And they shove all this stuff in their mouth and then their face gets all contorted and like they can't talk for a few minutes because the sourness. And I'm like, ah, that sucks. Why would you do that to yourself? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of sour or anything. So, and then you know, I know it's not that extreme with drinks, but yeah, I don't like anything sour. I don't like lemony stuff or like yeah. zesty things. Did you figure out what lab-grown whiskey is? Um, the first thing that I see on my Google search is is molecular whiskey, the futuristic booze weave something. So, I have no <laughs> clue what it is. I don't know what is. I don't know. I'll have to do a little digging. Um, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it now, so uh, I don't necessarily, I don't know, maybe that'll be the thing in the future that we all drink from like weird glass vials that we've, you know, got from, you know, our friends on Mars. I don't know. Who knows? That'll be the future. But for now, I'm a simple man. I can just make do with the stuff that's <laughs> out there now. When I searched up lab grown whiskey, I get lab grown diamonds as an ad, and it's just a website where they grow diamonds in a lab and sell them yeah that's like real life because they can like pressurize it and like make wood or make uh make um diamonds but they're not like it's i mean i guess they're the same thing as real diamonds but uh i don't know it's just weird that that's what i get when i search up lab (laughs) grown whiskey well it's because you've you've been searching other things about diamonds i mean you know (laughs) we know how the internet works it's it's telling us that you've been searching other things so you know that's on you man not on the internet Varun do you want to ask the last one about music and then we'll we'll close oh, it yeah. out what is some of your favorite music like genre style or like or just like specific songs anything's fine oh my gosh I, I know the music question's always going to come up and it is as someone who is like a not really a music snob but like is a you know I like music a lot in general and all types of music, it's always one of the things you're, you're so hesitant to add, to answer. It's like, Oh my gosh, I got to give like the cool answer to this. But really true. Like I really do like everything. Um, I'll say like, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, I grew up, I grew up when grunge first started mm-hmm. happening. Right. So I resonate a lot with like early grunge stuff. So like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, um, you know, uh, all that type of stuff. I love smashing pumpkins. Like that, like lately they're just weird and mean, but like the early <laughs> stuff, Gish, Simon's Dream, that's, I love, them. they're one of my favorite bands. Like Pearl Jam is one of my favorite bands. Um, I liked them way more than Nirvana because back then you had to kind of choose. But then I also love classic rock. I was a big fan of like Zeppelin and The Doors. And then like, also love like a lot of like jam band stuff. So like, you know, I'm, I could be perfectly fine listening to Grateful Dead and the Allman Brothers and sitting out in the field dancing like I'm cooking bacon you know <laughs> some kind of festival but then i also love like techno music i love like uh electronic stuff i love you know like weird edm or like you know uh, all kind of i mean there's so many different genres in that whole electronic music stuff yeah. that i can't just sit here and name drop because i'll probably blow it and you'd be like uh he's a poser <laughs> but like you know i like a lot of stuff in that you know like whole world um i don't know i like a lot of stuff from the late night or late nineties, like Radiohead and like, I don't know. I like a lot of like 
alt country stuff, but also like growing up, like in the eighties, like I loved like the birth of rap and like growing up listening to rap because yeah. I was listening to a lot of like uh, rap before it was like hip hop and all these yeah. other genres, but it was just like straight up rap, you know, it's a lot of NWA and stuff from the West Coast and stuff like that, you know, so uh, I got a lot of, so I, I really, but I can also just like sit there and like play bluegrass and listen to bluegrass. Like I literally listen to anything. The only thing I don't really like is new country. Mm-hmm. And I really don't care for um, like new R and B and like like you know like really slow R and B like slow jams and then mm-hmm. like a lot of like the stuff that's like people with just on auto tune. I can't really handle that stuff. But like I'll listen to anything, pretty much any anything. You know, if yeah. you want to put some bleeps and bloops on there, that's like design music. I can listen to that all day. So I'm really <laughs> up for anything. Really, I'm, I, I love I love music of all types. I like to play music so kind of interested in everything awesome well uh that's the end of our questions that's the end of all the stuff we got so thank you for joining us and uh we'll throw it back to zara so zara take it away thank you guys so much for listening keep an eye out for our next episode which you can find on the flux website scadflux.com or instagram at scadflux